You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. The world is filled with many questions, such as Did giants exist? What is junk DNA? Does it mean that you're trash? Do you ever wonder if aliens have underwater bases in our oceans and that's why there are so many UFO sightings off the coasts of islands all over the world? How serious even is climate change and when should we start building our rafts? Hello everyone, you may recognize me as Gabby from the History of Everything podcast. And my name is Brenna and you don't recognize me from anything yet. Together, we're two scientists who explore the answers to these questions and many, many more in our new podcast, Mystery of Everything, available everywhere you get your podcasts. Monster House presents Monster Talks, a proud member of the Airwave Media Podcast Network, home of such shows as Subtext. The Projection Booth, and The Daily Meditation Podcast. If you'd like to advertise on this show, contact sales at advertisecast.com. Led Zeppelin's Jimmy Page took a more serious interest than most. He studied Crowley closely. He collected Crowley's paintings and books. And in 1971, Jimmy Page bought Boleskine House. Page retained ownership of Peleskin until 1991, but the house was actually lived in and looked after by an old school friend called Malcolm Dent. I had no idea why he'd bought Peleskin House, the estate. I hadn't ever heard of Alistair Crowley. So arriving at Peleskin and discovering, one, that it has a history and a past and a pretty weird past at that, two, that there are certain things still going on there. Three, there are people who will visit the place to, to experience this and even practice it. And four, that one of my oldest friends seemed to be actively involved one way or another in this. Uh, was That was... There was a lot of things to sort of take in. It's actually quite unlike anything we've ever seen before. A giant hairy creature, part ape, part man. In Loch Ness, a 24-mile-long bottomless lake in the highlands of Scotland, it's a creature known as the Loch Ness Monster. Welcome to Monster Talk, the science show about monsters. I'm Blake Smith. And I'm Karen Stoltzner. 
Welcome back to Monster Talk. Now we're going to head back to the shores of Loch Ness in Scotland, where we're going to return to our discussion of the structure called Boleskine House. In part one, we covered the history of the house up through the 1960s when it was purchased by Led Zeppelin's guitarist Jimmy Page. In part two, we will discuss what happened next up through the present. This episode does discuss a rather graphic suicide on the property, so there's a content warning. And if you haven't checked out part one, I would recommend doing so before diving into part two, but maybe you like a Christopher Nolan approach to your content, in which case, who am I to judge? Either way, welcome back. Let's dive in. Monster Talk. This episode includes coverage of suicide. Self-harm is a serious problem, and one of the best things you can do if you're struggling with such thoughts is to reach out and talk to someone. In the United States, the National Suicide Prevention Hotline can be reached by dialing 988. If you're struggling, please seek help. We care about our listeners and want you to be around for many years to hear stories about monsters, science facts, and, of course, terrible puns. Thanks. Okay, so we're back on part two of our coverage of Boleskine House. Yeah, and the interesting inhabitants of the house as well. So we've looked at uh, the the history, early history of Boleskine House and the Boleskine Parish. We've looked at uh, the the Fraser family and we've looked at uh, Alastair Crowley and his involvement with the house, purchasing the house in order for him to perform a ritual uh, and everything that was associated with that. So moving on to more contemporary times, a lot of strange things have happened in the house post Crowley. And those are attributed to the fact that he had lived there and all of the other legends associated with the house. But uh, I think the biggest story to happen after, or one of the biggest stories to happen after Crowley uh, sold the place. So he lived there, he purchased it in 1899, and then he had to sell the place in 1913 and uh, moved into a, a smaller cottage somewhere in England. And uh, so in the 1960s, so there's this period of time where there was quiet, nothing really going on. And then in the 1960s, um, the place became embroiled in what's known as the, the Great Sausage Scandal. It's, it's called the Cadco Affair or the Great Sausage Scandal. So it's a really bizarre story about a guy named Dennis Lorraine. The Great Sausage Scandal sounds like a real banger. So this fellow, Dennis Lorraine, he uh, purchased the house and he got involved with uh, the actor George Sanders. I'm not sure if you've heard of him. Oh, yeah. Uh, he, yeah. So he was uh, once married to Zsa Zsa Gabor and her sister. I didn't know it's <laughs> that was an interesting tidbit. It came as a package. And, I guess. And uh, so they managed to embezzle millions of pounds in government grants and this was a pretense of meeting a national shortage of pork products that was going on at the time. So it was said that they purchased a very large number of pigs and uh, then got into trouble with the government and they just abandoned these poor piggies who were left to starve to death. So a horrible story. But that's not true. So so many of these stories associated with Boleskine, you hear them and you think that just doesn't really ring true, that doesn't add up, and you dig into them a bit further. So whether it's Crowley and the ritual or the uh, Boleskine church being supposedly built in the 10th century or 13th century, a lot of these things just don't, they're not, not correct. 
And uh, so this story, even though uh, the, the the two, Lorraine and Sanders, did set up a company that was called Loch Ness Foods. I like that name. Uh, they claimed to the government that they were rearing pigs on the site, but this was all a scam. So there was lots of paperwork, but no piggies, never any pigs. So I think that's uh, it's positive that there weren't any animals involved. But uh, it's just a really weird thing to be linked to the house. But there will be people who will claim that they hear the sounds of pigs oinking and snorting. <laughs> they can hear these poor pigs starving to death. So how can that possibly be if there was they never had the livestock there? So they were heard but, but not porcine. but it seems like the Lorraines were a strange family and uh, Dennis and his wife Molly they had a a circular bed supposedly which uh, was complete with black sheets and that was installed in what had been Crowley's uh, oratory room Um, but there's lots of weird things associated with them and um, Dennis unfortunately went on to take his own life so we will have to have a content warning this episode because uh, that brings us to another story that took place in the 1960s. So there was a family called the the Grants who moved into the house and uh, Wikipedia will tell you one date, other sources will tell you other dates, but it was sometime in the 1960s that the Grants lived in the house and uh, the the father of the house uh, was uh, Army Major Edward Grant and he took his own life as well. This was supposedly in Crowley's bedroom. The entry in Wikipedia was wrong about Major Grant's death, so I did a little digging and found out that he likely died on November 8th, 1960. The death notice in the papers was on the 9th. And 1960 was the year listed in the reference material that Wikipedia already linked to, but the date in the actual article text was incorrect. So, while I was there, I corrected the date. But looking into this, I also found an article from a few months after the death of the Major that said Mrs. Mary Grant, who was his second cousin, was apparently a wealthy socialite as well as a war hero in her own right. And according to that article, it was she who owned the house, not the Major. So, a lot of things are happening in these rooms associated with Crowley. Uh, but this did actually happen. So he, he took his own life with a shotgun and his housekeeper discovered him. Uh, yeah. Uh, Could well, say... Matt, you want to tell this part of the story? Yeah, yeah, or... yeah. That's fine. Uh, well, it's so lovely. Uh, well, I mean, first, the dog. The dog, little, little, little Pickywick, is uh, running around with this uh, bone. And, you know, the housekeeper doesn't know where where the dog got this bone, but she kind of kicks it out into the garden and that's when she discovers that uh, he he is uh, not one with his head anymore. Yeah. Uh, mm. And that that bone was actually part of his skull uh, that uh, the dog was running off with. So it, it's just a really gruesome story. I don't know how very, much it's true, but it's she, gruesome. And she tells it in the uh, in the other Loch Ness Monster documentary. And I, it's kind of <laughs> and brutal how, how she tells that story. She goes – you know, they found that piece of bone. It turned out to be the top of his skull, and they chucked it in the coffin when they buried him. I mean, I'm sure that's not what happened. We, we used to laugh about it. Like, yes. I made a sound Irish there. No, but that was good. That was yeah. good. 
you uh, took me right back. Yeah. No, I don't know. It's 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 uh, worthy of uh, being in uh, Don Henley's uh, um, dirty laundry. Song yes, because yeah. uh, salacious. Yeah, she is the bubble-headed bleach blonde that comes on at five and tells you about the plane crash with a gleam in her eye. Because uh, boy, she just was laughing through that whole story. The retired army major actually committed suicide in the bedroom Crowley used. He was had a, supposed to have a room of his own as he came in the front door and his own room and bathroom there. And I went to look and there he was in front of this big mirror and his head off. So I was so scared, I did run back to her bedroom, which was quite a distance, you know. And um, I said, the Major sh- shot himself, Mrs. Grant. When we came up and I went in the front door, there was this little bone at the front door and she, they had a little doggie. She gave it to him for his birthday. Picky Week was his name. And I says, where did you find that Picky Week? Because they had a huge fridge. There was nothing in it. And I wondered. And I took the bone and just threw it. <laughs> My husband used to laugh afterwards at what I did. Anyway, the, the detectives, I told the detectives this. We knew it was a bone of his skull. <laughs> Yeah, it was a bit of Edward's skull. They found it, uh uh-huh. We put into the coffin with the rest. So that uh, is just one of the tragedies that is associated with the house and, again, linked to Crowley. Somehow Crowley is blamed for this. There's another story that's floating around, and I think you guys would have heard of it too, but I couldn't substantiate it. Uh, But there's a, a tale that's told that a newly married couple moved into the house after the Grant family, and that the wife was uh, was blind. And after a month of living in the house, the husband just walked out on her and just left her alone and wandering around the house uh, for a long period of time, you know, unable to see and very distraught. So I don't know what the truth is behind this story, but it's very upsetting. Uh, and uh, hopefully it's not true. Another one of those tales that isn't true. Well, and it, it implies a level of... Uh, uh inability to care for oneself that is probably not Linked true for blind people <laughs> yeah, well, i'm just being like i think you know oh you, i get what you mean yeah 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 like one of your senses blind people are not so. incapacitated from like surviving or finding a telephone or calling for help or or oh, alert. exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah. but i think it's just another one of those horror stories yes tragedies yeah that's that, uh linked to the place and so yeah you just have uh, this, I guess, a revolving door of families and people moving into the house for a short period of time. I think that Kenneth Anger, the director that we talked about in the previous episode, uh, the uh, director of Lucifer Rising uh, and was a friend um, of uh, Jimmy Page, so the guitarist from Led Zeppelin. Um, so this brings us to an era that Crowley really had a resurgence in popularity. So this was with the 1960s mm-hmm. counterculture, certainly among the rock and roll crowd. So mm-hmm. notably, you had um, Brian Jones from the Beach Boys, who was really into Crowley. You had the Beatles had a fascination with him, in particular, John Lennon. And as we know, Crowley's likeness appears on the iconic cover for Sgt. Pepper's. Uh, but I think, yeah, most notably, uh, Led Zeppelin. They were had lots of... Um, Stories associated with them that the band members had sold their souls to Satan for fame and fortune. And so you had a lot of their 
uh, history kind of tied in with the occult and Satanism, but specifically Jimmy Page. Yeah. He was really into all of that sort of stuff. And so he said in his own words that he'd read a lot of Crowley and was fascinated by his ideas. And so he already owned a lot of Crowley memorabilia. He had artwork and ceremonial robes. If you go and have a look on Google, uh, you'll find some classic pictures of him dressed up in, in these robes. They're pretty cool. Um, so I guess he thought, well, why not buy his house as well? And he bought the place essentially to inspire him to write music. And uh, he did refurbish the place and renovated it. He wanted it to look as it did in the time of Crowley. And he had murals painted on the walls. So he really did a lot to, uh, to bring the place up to speed uh, and to, to make it look the way that it used to. But he ended up spending very little time there. So to invest all of that money and all of that time, he he just visited the place very very rarely. Now, did he? I, his, I'd heard he put a, a recording studio there. Is that right? Or did you see that confirmed anywhere? No, I don't know about. That. There's a lot more well, stories than there are uh, uh, substantive evidence to back up those stories. <laughs> that is that's a key theme throughout this entire story. Uh, but he and I've seen pictures. Matt and I've seen lots of pictures of the inside of the house during his. Uh, tenure there and uh I, I haven't seen a music studio but um he he claimed that the place had bad vibes and he once said to rolling stone magazine that there were so this is his quote there were two or three owners before crowley moved in it was also a church that had burned to the ground with the congregation in it so we know where these stories are, are coming from uh and that is the site of this house so that's not correct it was a, a different a different lot. And he goes on to say, strange things have happened in that house that have nothing to do with Crowley. The bad vibes were already there. So he's linking everything back to the, the case of the, uh, the church burning down with the congregation. Then he says a man was beheaded there. And sometimes you can hear his head rolling down. So I guess he means rolling down one of the, the holes there. Uh, so that takes us back to the, the Fraser, Fraser period, um, and the Simon the Twelfth Fraser of uh, Lovett, the Fox, and how he was beheaded for treason. But the weird thing is, he was beheaded at the Tower of London, so he wasn't beheaded there. Why would they have beheaded him there? But yet, it said that Simon's head can be heard rolling up and down the corridors in the house. Uh, so I don't know why his head would be doing that there when he was killed in in London, and he didn't really have any connection to the house other than that his son built the place well so, and you you also have the fact that nobody's ever seen his head rolling around and yet they know what it sounds like well that's yeah yeah i mean uh, do you know what a head i mean i can i can i mean yeah of course imagine. i know but i mean that's different that's that's experience the, the experience incident. is different <laughs> Because so, if you just uh, heard the sound of a head rolling around, you wouldn't immediately go, "Oh, that sounds like a head rolling around." Um, right. I mean, and, and again, yeah. not maybe not you. That's Blake. a good, good point. A, a normal well, person. But I think that uh, just the the two main um, kind of things that are associated with Boleskin House are Crowley and Jimmy Page. Yes. And he owned the place for about uh, twenty years, two decades, uh, and yet he didn't live there very long himself. Didn't spend much time there. 
Now, Burleskin is featured in The Song Remains the Same, which is a documentary which follows the band on their tour of the United States back in the early 70s. And uh, there's one scene where Paige is on the property and his eyes are glowing red and we see him climbing to the top of the the mountain um, to the soundtrack of Dazed and Confused. Love that song. And he meets a hooded creature that's holding a lantern. So it's all very mystical. Uh, And I think he was in love with the idea of the place and Crowley and the associations. But uh, what I find interesting is that he found it had bad vibes. I've heard so many stories about him. Now, there's a book about uh, Jimmy Page and the the curse of Boleskin House. I don't know if you guys have seen that. Um, but, I mean, the, Jimmy Page really had a had and has a bad reputation for a lot of things. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know how much we want to go into well, that. Well, I'll tell you, I'll just say this, that uh, I enjoy the music of Led Zeppelin. Uh, and I've always been fascinated with Paige, but in the past few years, I've learned about some of his nonsense behavior and, uh, not Mm. a good, not a good dude. Well, he he wasn't. And, uh, I read of one anecdote where he visited, uh, David Bowie and David Bowie had a cleansing his house afterwards because he said there was just a darkness after Jimmy Page left. (laughs) So I, I think it's interesting that the the things that we know about him, uh, his association or his, his act of uh, pedophilia uh, and other things that he's done, and yet he found the place had bad vibes. I thought that was kind of ironic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, anyway, moving on. Yeah. Uh, we're still talking about the Jimmy Page <laughs> era, but he enlisted the help of a friend of his, so a, an old um, school friend of his named Malcolm Dent. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, I'm Paul Giamatti. And I'm Stephen Asma. Each week on Chinwag, we dig into the weird topics you wonder about, that you care about. The stuff none of us are totally sure of, like the Bermuda Triangle, Mothman, Consciousness, Philosophy, UFOs, Ghosts, or say Bigfoot. So who's to say that there's not alien species that are Sasquatch? Like I've seen a ghost, and I would hear something walking and breathing. Maybe every path is right. I will accept as a premise that every path is right. That is a face on Mars. Eyes, nose. It kind of looked like Wilson the volleyball. Some people enjoy the waves or whatever uh, crashing, and I enjoy listening to a quantum physics audiobook. I do think there are many things in the world that we just don't understand and probably won't understand. That's our whole show. (laughs) So join us every Wednesday on all major podcast platforms and find us on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter at ChinwagPod and Wagon. So, yeah, moving on to uh, the the tenure of Malcolm Dent. So this is a friend of Pages. He'd known him for decades, and he asked his friends to be caretaker of the house. And so uh, Dent met his wife in the area and raised a family there. And it's a little in contradiction with the other stories that we hear. So on the one hand, oh, he, he loved living there. He was very happy. 
uh, during his time there, raising a family. But then there's a lot of other information out there about uh, ghostly phenomena that he experienced uh, during his time in the house. And he, he, if you do go back and look at that BBC documentary, he does talk about that. And uh, some pretty strange activity, lots of noises, like gunshots, which are obviously linked to uh, the, the Grant case, and uh, groans and creaks. He'll talk, he'd talk about darkness throughout the house, even on bright, sunny days. So that seems to link back to Crowley talking about the house, writing about the house and uh, how dark it would get and how he needed to use candles uh, to do his rituals. And then would talk about doors slamming throughout the night and uh, rugs which would roll up and then unfurl by themselves, which I think is really interesting. I haven't heard of that one before. No. He spoke about uh, shadowy figures and ghostly apparitions, but it was in Boleskine House where he experienced the most terrifying night of his life. He said that he went to bed one night and he heard this growling and snarling and banging at the bedroom door. So it was like a wild animal was there and trying to, to get in. So he says, quote, whatever was there was pure evil. So I don't know, you know what he attributed that to or exactly what happened. But uh, he has also said that when weird things would happen in the house, that they the family used to just say, oh, this is Alistair doing his thing. And uh, he spoke about the sound of Lord Lovett's rolling head, rolling down the halls. But then at other times, he's talked about the worst thing that took place in the house was just the, the constant fans of Crowley and Page who would trespass the house and try to break in and try to steal bits of the house uh, just as memorabilia and souvenirs. So I could imagine that being the case. But I do think a lot of the ghostly stuff goes back to Dent. Wait, was he the caretaker or was he the scaretaker? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm just really glad he had that, you know, impenetrable wooden door to keep pure evil out. Well, maybe it was made of uh, ash or one of those yew yeah. trees or something. <laughs> or the, 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 the wood from the uh, the original uh, Christ's cross. That's right. Meaning. That's oh, right. Yeah, That's a, yeah. Good point. That, Good point. that would do it. That would do it. So uh, another ghostly, well, I guess supernatural phenomenon, uh, which is attributed to the house, is the, the Loch Ness Monster. And we touched on this in the previous episode. So the claim is that Crowley had summoned the cryptid. Mr. Crowley! And so, again, this is, I think, my favourite origin story for Nessie. So you have the, uh, I mean, you had some sightings in the 19th century, which predate Crowley, but then you had all the famous sightings in the 1930s. So that does totally fit in with the timeline. Unless you're one of those cryptozoologists who wants to claim, uh, you know, all the previous sort of what we've talked about it before the the stories about the uh, the Saint uh, Columba, you know, trying to get rid of the beast in the river, which was the river nest, mm -hmm. not the lock, et cetera, et cetera. But oh, uh, yeah, the, yeah, the yeah. water kelpies, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so but I, right. I, yeah, <laughs> you're right. And wrong. <laughs> the same exactly. Time. Well, but those are the claims. So, what what happened in ninety two? Basically, Jimmy Page, I guess, uh, became bored with Boleskine House, and also, as the story goes, he wanted to consolidate his fortune 
And so he booted out Malcolm Dent and gave him uh, some kind of severance pay and uh, he sold the place. And it was purchased by a couple, the McGillivrays, and they bought Boleskine and turned it into a hotel. They were skeptics and they loved living there. They were asked at one point if they'd ever experienced anything mysterious in the house. And the uh, wife said, absolutely nothing. I'm a non-believer. I didn't listen to all of that rubbish. We had a great time there. So I think there's interesting just these different points of view. If you had a believer living there, then they experienced all kinds of evil uh, all, all kinds of uh, phenomena. And if you had skeptics living there, nothing ever happened. Uh, and so there was another person who purchased the the house after that family. It was a, a woman named Trudy Piker Baker. I think she's Dutch. And she was a reclusive millionaire. So she owned the place for a couple of years. And she had a terrible time there because she was really dismayed by all of the the looters who kept raiding the place. Now, it was around this time... Um, too, that you that the the place was uh, suffered a fire, and there, there were two fires which took place there, one in 2015 and one in 2019. And I've read a lot of different things about what actually happened. Some people say that these were arson acts of arson. Uh, some will say that it was arson by Christians who thought the place was evil. And then other people saying that uh, they were acts of arson by uh, fans of Crowley for whatever reason they decided to attack the house. Uh, I think there was a, another case too where there was a legitimate fire that took place in the kitchen. And you can imagine the place was probably run down at this point and not really taken care of. Uh, but you, know, you, you still had people looting the place, trespassing, and this uh, millionaire, she talked about how she had a, a school Squatter, who uh, he had the strange name of Mordecai Mosh, and he claimed that Crowley had invited him there, and that's why he was squatting in part of the ruins of the house. And so, how are you going to argue with that? I mean, that well, sounds like a character this... I made up for a role-playing game. That's <laughs> it's a pretty nifty name. Yeah. So, uh, as of 2019, the House has been owned by the Boleskin House Foundation. So they're an interesting crowd. They're a non-profit organization. They've taken ownership of the property, and they had plans to restore it. And Matt and I have watched a number of videos, and I like what they're doing. They seem to have a focus on conservation of the building and uh, also conservation of local flora and fauna. So they do seem to have a good mission, and they must be putting a hell of a lot of money into this place as well. Uh, and they are suffering a lot of issues with trespassers too. But I think the thing that's weird to me is that I'm hearing all of these good things about the foundation, but at the same time, going back to 2020, there were reports of these new owners selling bags of charred remains of the house. Oh, as kind a, of buy some like purposes. some Boleskine ash in order to like help fund the process of rest- restoration. And well, that's I hear different things. Some say it was for that purpose. Others say it was to build a spiritual center on the site, and others say that they were selling off the the uh, ashes or uh, ruins for magical spells. So I'm hearing lots of conflicting things about this group. Interesting, uh, but there is a uh, we can put a link to the um, the BBC article from uh, December of last year 
uh, about mm-hmm. that. There's some great pictures of what the house looks like currently in the, the sort of restoration efforts. Yeah, and I'm not sure if they're going to open it up as a uh, museum or bed and breakfast or hotel of some kind, but it's certainly nice. I think they have yeah. the funding or support of the local government yeah, as well. It sounds like event space was what I read, um, which would be Maybe, cool. yeah. Yeah. Well, you know what? I'll, I'll put a link to that in the show notes, and if you want to dig into that deeper, you'll just hop into the show notes so you can find your way there. But uh, I think, yeah. I mean, I th- as, as we wrap this up, let's talk about how Boleskine fits in with our findings about researching other mysterious houses. Well, you know, I doing research into Boleskine House just made me think of other related houses that we've talked about on the show over the years, like Borley Rectory and the Winchester House, Winchester Mystery House. Uh, I, I think it's interesting, these houses that have this these characters that really – and these interesting histories and, and folklores um, that really take over. And in each of these cases, you've got real history and you've got the truth that is beneath the, the folklore and the stories that are retold. And, uh, you know, just like with the Winchester house, you know, we, we've gone into that with a, in, in a lot of detail. And we, there's this story which is commonly told and retold, and that's the, the one that people will read about and hear about. And the truth is a lot more innocuous uh, and makes a lot more sense. And I think that that's the case with Boleskine House. It's uh, certainly seen a lot in its time. Uh, and that, that land is seen a lot. And it's a beautiful place too. It's just so magical and mysterious. Um, but I I think that a lot of the, the stories associated with it are BS. <laughs> yeah. And, and a lot of the stories associated with Crowley as well. They're just... Uh, and, and he was a man who loved making up stories about himself. So it, it's it's not shocking. And everybody in his circle of friends were a bunch of braggers and storytellers. So I it's it's absolutely a, it is trying to pick the truth out is uh, really difficult. You know. So really oh, difficult. you've got to peel back those layers of the 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 onion, and uh, um, yeah. Certainly, when you read about the the stories that are associated with the house, things just don't ring yeah. true, and you dig into them a little bit and find out, oh, that's well, because they're not true. Well, I'm, I'm excited somebody's trying to restore it, and it's definitely one of the places I would love to visit if I ever get to make it to Loch Ness, which I is one of my lifelong bucket list goals. You know, so me too on the bucket list. Yeah, but I think I, it's interesting you, that you, you're not reading nearly as many stories of people like us who just do a little bit of research and find out that everything falls apart. Yeah. You know, usually when you do a little search on YouTube, um, I think we had found one video, uh, Karen and I, that, that was, uh, when are we going to stop lying about the Abramelin thing? And that was like the only thing that was, that was like opposing the, 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 the folklore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, and yeah. it really wasn't, it was by a sorcerer, who felt that it was being done improperly. And then the way it was said to have been done was a, a bit of a lie. Um, and, and that was it. But there's no real good skeptical things coming out, you know, especially on YouTube going, this is, uh, this falls apart. This falls apart fast. Why are we, why are we bothering? Oh, until now. <laughs> until <laughs> now. <these> episodes. <laughs> well, there you go. So we bring in the skepticism to the well, table. Thank you guys for talking about this with us today and and for uh, nagging me into covering 
<laughs> it oh, is actually. I, I love this place. I, I've long wanted to visit it, and so I really appreciate it. It's a, it's a, even though it's a one-level house, it's full of many stories. <laughs> yeah. yeah, indeed it is. And, and I think just the associations with such interesting characters like Crowley and uh, Led Zeppelin, Jimmy Page, uh, it really is surrounded uh, in mystery. And, again, it's just exciting to think what the house has seen in its time. So much history. So, so if any you know patrons want to send us uh, over there to do an, a, a very deep dive investigation on the scene, uh, we'll certainly jump on. Oh yeah, yeah, that. yeah. And we're always willing to uh, <laughs> d- do field trips. <laughs> Monster talk. You've been listening to Monster Talk, the science show about monsters. I'm Blake Smith, and I'm Karen Stolzner. You just heard part two of our two-part coverage of Bleskin House, the former home of Aleister Crowley and guitarist Jimmy Page, among others. Check our show notes for links, including those to the Foundation, which is trying to restore the property. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Monster Talk. Each episode, we strive to bring you the very best in monster-related content with a focus on bringing scientific skepticism into the conversation. If you enjoy Monster Talk, we now have a variety of ways to support the show all with convenient links at monstertalk.org forward slash support. That's monstertalk.org forward slash support. We have links there to our Patreon page as well as a donation button. Another great way to support the show is to buy books from our Amazon Monster Talk wish list, which directly helps us with our research. We love used books very much, so don't feel compelled to buy new ones. And we love Kindles so we can share our digital libraries with each other. And finally, without spending any money at all, you can support us by leaving a positive review at iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Positive reviews help keep us visible in iTunes, which is a great way to help us find new listeners. And please share our show on your favorite social media platforms. Monster Talk's theme music is by Peach Stealing Monkeys. And Monster House is going to be producing books, and the very first of those will be The Science of Monsters by Joe Nickel, which is coming out very soon. I'm just waiting on proof copies now to make sure all the edits are in place. So stay tuned. You guys are definitely the target audience for this book. Monster House presentation. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.